0: You're listening to Bridging Resistance Radio. Bridge of Hope. You hold one side, I hold the other, and we meet in the middle. Welcome to Bridging Resistance, Relationships and Resurgence Radio Project, a special series that aims to connect Indigenous and non-Indigenous people through the transformative power of telling our own stories and listening to the stories of others.
1: We hope to empower, inspire, and learn about cultural resurgence and reclamation in the face of ongoing colonialism and racism. So listen up Thunder Bay and beyond. In this episode you'll be listening to JL interview a few people talking about their project Fortify This. If, if Andrea and Cree if you can talk about how Fortify This, how the project came together. Sure.
2: Well okay so Andrea um, how many years? I don't even know when we contacted you. Sorry, I wasn't even
3: <laughs> thinking about timing. Actually, it was about three years ago. Is I, that? Well, that's when we first kind of worked together. Cree was taking a class with me, mm-hmm. and I had seen her art, and then I saw her work in Derelict. so I knew she was into performance, mm-hmm. and really quite capable, and adept, and thoughtful in what she produced. So it was brought to my attention based on my research that um, the the date was approaching where it was going to be marked 30 years to the day since Rebecca Belmore did rise into the occasion. Mm-hmm. It was a performance piece in the context of um, the 12 angry Krenolins silent protest parade um, that was organized in correlation with definitely superior artist friend center in its first year of operation. Mm-hmm. So, I was really intrigued with the thought that there had been, there was this legacy or like that Thunder Bay had, this area of Northwestern Ontario had witnessed so much um, activism and art has a long, long lineage in this region. And so Corey and I, I called her up and I asked her if she wanted to go for coffee and I said, you know, I told her about Belmore's piece, that it would be July 16th, 2017 that would mark 30 years of the day and I said, you know, what if we do something?
0: Mm -hmm.
3: How would you feel, because I have, you know, this research that I've done, not a lot of people know that Thunder Bay has really hosted some amazing performance artwork. Um, A lot of people know about Derelict, they know about Definitely Superior, um, but Belmore's sculptural installation for Rising to the Occasion is actually located in the Art Gallery of Ontario and I'd only ever seen it there on a sculptural installation. I had no idea that it was connected to Thunder Bay, that it had grown out of the first year of operations of definitely Superior Arts Run Centre. So, and I, I really liked the fact that it was intended to be disruptive, that it was intended to call attention to Indigenous cultural protection and so many other rich histories, practices and traditions. So Cree and I met for coffee and we actually just started thinking about it. And um, that's safe to say, right? Oh yeah, yep. And she was really intrigued. Like I said, I kind of see see her walking through Fort William Historical Park, which was what Belmore was actually like protesting. She was protesting the British royal visit to what she calls the fake fort. Right. And I think, you know, those intentions are still very much valid and worthy of being continued today. We also thought we wanted to bring more people in mm-hmm. because Belmore's piece was <coughs> part of a larger mm-hmm. performance. So we started reaching out to people like Mary, Chanel Wawie, and um, we said, you know, what do you think? And then we also reached out to Sarah because we thought we wanted to photograph it. Like, you can do a performance. But it's very easy, and especially because I teach art history, you can do a performance, but what do you do with it after it's done? And we were quite in awe of Mary's work, we were quite in awe of Sarah's photography, we really, we were in awe of Janelle's work. We had a number of meetings here at the house, and we had conversations on Facebook. We eventually f- Figured out, you know, Cree decided she wanted to model her piece, the one. Mary decided she wanted to contribute a performance piece and have Cynthia Edwards model it. Janelle had a piece, but she was going to be out of town. So we reached out through Michelle Derossi, and she introduces to Josh. And so we all met at the Fort William stork Park. We got there, you know, we told them what they wanted to do. They said, sure. But then we also really, and I think this is something that Josh was pointing out to me, we... We recognize that the fort is fake. You know, it's a site of entertainment, it's offers tours and we kinda looked at our experiences. I personally thought when I the James Street Swing Bridge first burned down is happened right when my husband and I had moved to Thunder Bay. Mm, right. So we couldn't believe that this happening, the burning of the bridge and the subsequent anti-indigenous racism that was rampant on social media was occurring. Like, this was our introduction to this area. And so that's really stuck with me. And so in looking at the fort, we also decided we wanted to really look at the bridge and consider why it's still in a state of disrepair. You know, so you've got one site that's really kept up, and then you've got another that is left in abeyance, only serviceable for CN rail trains and not for the people who live in this region. So, you know, like we wanted to kind of build on things that had happened in the area 30 years prior, you know, since time immemorial, but we wanted to also bring in contemporary events and really maintain attention to this bridge. And what was weird about the bridge for me was until we actually decided we wanted to photograph it, I actually didn't know where it was. Right. And if you think that James Street is just down the street from my house, I actually had to Google it because I've never had to use it. Right, because it would have been closed. It would have been closed. It didn't affect my everyday life. Mm-hmm. And then when I realized how close it was and how far it was removed from my day-to-day existence, I was like, wow, if that's me. And I like to think I'm aware then imagine,
0: mm-hmm.
3: you know, so many others. Mm-hmm. And so when we went to it, and just kind of walked around, and what amazed me about the bridge was how many people still cross it. So it's not approved yet for vehicular traffic; it's approved for the trains to continue running, but mm-hmm. people still use it.
1: I remember you brought that up to Cree, like that part of with the shoot was just there's the planning that happened around, like how traveling to these two sites, the time, the extra time it took, and, mm-hmm. and thinking about. Um, how it's a collaborative effort amongst you all. I'm just thinking of that process. It sounded like it was a really uh, reflective and like one being at the site. I don't know, do you have some, first I guess, are you all from Thunder Bay? Yeah. I am. <laughs> yeah. And That's a yes. <laughs> maybe I'll just start like from this side and maybe really, yeah. if you could just say your name and what medium like to work in or what you're, what you're currently passionate
4: about. Um, my name is Sarah, and I'm I was a photographer for this project, and that's really the medium that I work with most. Though um, so I do do a little bit of video work as well.
5: Well, my name's uh, Joshua, and uh, I, I I don't necessarily consider myself an artist. Pieces, um, and I, I'm the, well one of the models for this. And uh, what really struck a chord with me was that it's a community-based project, and. I was always told that who you are is where you come from so in terms of that I really want to participate because I am from Thunder Bay I've lived here for quite some time so that's what where my interest was Mm -hmm. Um, also currently I'm in law school and there are I think it is in the courts right now with uh, James Street Swing Bridge went through the court to figure out all that out so
6: I'm Mary I'm passionate about drawing and I kind of dabble in sculpture a little bit (laughs) and try my best. Mm -hmm. I feel like I feel like my art is kind of like uh, uh, helping me understand uh, the world and my responsibility within it and especially like in terms of knowing the colonial violence that's going on around me within my family and um, allowing that information to kind of help me Understand and kind of realize the social parameters that define me as a mixed Ojibwe woman. So (laughs) I got really excited by this project because, like you said, it's very community-based and it allowed me to learn a lot, especially in terms of kind of how these systems and structures in place can have a single voice and perspective on history that um, kind of comes at the cost of a lot of people and also teaches teaches Canadian citizens to deny their histories Mm -hmm. and which I think is um, a big problem but yeah (laughs) so the project was really exciting because it was a really amazing learning opportunity for me so
1: I think it's really incredible remember I think back in the summer at that time uh the photos had it I don't think you all had the chance to see them from what Cree was mentioning but now, have you had a chance to, has everybody had a chance to see the photos? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts, like, now about how the photos came out?
4: I was really happy with how they turned out. I felt like they really spoke to um, my interpretation of the project, and um, and from the reactions that I got from other people, I, I think they pretty well agreed as well. Mm-hmm. Um, which was good to hear because, of course, it's not just my voice that has to be heard here. And I don't know. I, f- I felt like having the responsibility of of representing these projects that people had spent so much time putting together and working on collaboratively to say something that that means so much was really kind of I don't know. It was it was tremendous. And by the time I finished, I was just it was it was really fulfilling for sure.
1: That's great to hear. I'm, like, so curious of these photos. <laughs> <laughs> how about you, Josh?
5: Oh, jeez. <laughs> every, like, every time, like, transitioning to a new person, it's like, how do you transition? <laughs> uh, I, I think looking, looking at the photos now, um, I think Sarah did a great job just capturing, um, I think, how we were all feeling uh, that day. But I think my favorite thing about the piece is that it speaks to the history um, of the fort and of the bridge and of that statement made by, uh, I forget her name, I feel terrible, the original.
3: Oh, Rebecca Bell. Yeah,
5: Rebecca. It, spe- it speaks to what happened and what she was trying to say then, and uh, it also reflects how we are contemporary. Because mm-hmm. um, in the suit, I do have a lady who produced the hood. Um, so I was wearing Janelle's hood, that that was very beautiful, but I also had... Uh Andreas has been sued on as well so yeah. it was a reflection of the history but is, but also saying that we're still here mm-hmm. right so I think that was my favorite part about it except for the life jackets life
4: jackets
3: <laughs> Sounds like an adventure <laughs> The life jackets right. We tried making it
6: an adventure <laughs> I when I saw the photos I got really excited cuz um the way Sarah, um, presented us and, or not me, but Mm -hmm. you know, the works and, Mm -hmm. and the models. And they all were in this kind of composition where she kind of gave, gave them like power and reclamation in this very, you know, colonial space. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of, uh, what's the word? Empowering, a good word. (laughs) So yeah, it was really neat to see.
4: I also want to add that like, um, I don't know like you you can it's kind of like what you were saying about the the performance art um like it happens but then what happens after yeah
0: Yeah.
4: that was something that i kept in mind the whole time that i was i was taking the photos and editing them and stuff like that is that i wanted these images to like kind of strike you but also be timeless so Mm -hmm. something that people could look at um years from now and still feel exactly the same thing that we're feeling now and feel that empowerment that mary was talking about
1: how about you two? How do you feel now? I'm so excited that you are hosting us here and hanging out. <laughs> I was really looking forward to hearing about yeah the project and kind of where where you all are at. Um. Well, for me, this is Cree. <laughs> <laughs> um.
2: For me, it's been it's been an experience similar to my art. So in that way, it's been very comfortable in that. It's been very uh, organic. The project has gone the way that it's gone. There was no pushing and there was no pulling and there was no, like, you need to do this, Sarah, and you need to do that, Mary, and, you know, you do this, Josh. It was people... We we really wanted um, for the artists and the people involved to be able to express themselves the way that they wanted. Yeah. And I feel like the photographs really captured that, and and they are timeless, uh, and they are... Uh, powerful and i I didn't have any expectations uh, really about anything, and I find that that's exciting for me because then I don't know what I'm gonna see. I don't know how the photos are gonna turn out i don't I don't know how the models are gonna look or you know how Mary's you know artwork is gonna look. and so that was exciting. Um, I don't normally like to have my photograph taken, um, but in this piece, it wasn't me, which is. I guess if, in some respects, even though I don't consider myself a performance artist, it was great to perform at these two uh, locations and think about the past and think about Rebecca Belmore and 30 years earlier and thinking about now and who we all are and how we all came together. And it was felt like it just was meant to be. This, the way that the project happened, and I couldn't be happier with the photographs mm-hmm. or any of it. Mm-hmm. Like, just all of it has been great.
3: The the best part for me has been the fact that every it was really a community based. It was a collaborative project. Like nothing, every step has been the result of discussion, and mm-hmm. it not consensus but agreement, and. Support to push this forward. You know for me. This is kind of the amazing part of this is that we're having these conversations because each Each person has contributed and the discussions are as important as the works because the thought process keeps going and I think You know, that's really important, but it's also really important that and it was for Cree and I we really appreciate that you know, Sarah, Josh Mary, Cynthia and her boyfriend Aaron all took to this and were so um, amazing in their contributions and their enthusiasm and their dedication because it's... we asked them to I think really do something that they hadn't done before and they just really took to it (laughs) and we keep having these conversations as it keeps going forward and I think that's That's what I like, Mm -hmm. you know, because I feel like I keep learning from them. When we put the exhibition out there, it'll be an opportunity to have more conversations that need to happen.
7: Mm -hmm.
3: And what's amazing in in terms
2: of this bringing us all together, I was just thinking about how, like, I I didn't know any of you before Mm -hmm. really, Mm -hmm. you know, in the same way. And I just love that Mm -hmm. I've... I've gotten to know, well, these wonderful people um, in our, you know, in our group, in our collective, but also just outside of that, that we've spoken with, like yourself and other people Mm -hmm. that are interested in the project, and it's, it is community-based, it's brought us together, but it's also brought people together that maybe normally wouldn't have come together Mm -hmm. for a project, so I want to do more.
1: (laughs) Yay! Mm -hmm. Mm Great. When you mentioned about just, like... I think modeling of this question that I jotted down too is just do you feel like in that moment when you were modeling the different pieces did you get to be like more of yourself or a different version maybe of yourself can you just kind of comment a little bit more you kind of talked a little bit about it just
7: now
5: yeah it's really funny uh because when when I do put on a suit uh, for law school or any sort of formal event it feels really weird like I feel uh sort of out of place and out of my own skin on uh, that's partially just cuz uh, for the most part growing up in town on the reserve I didn't see too many indigenous people with uh, suits on right so it's kinda of foreign and uh, I guess in high school there was um, pushback with myself in terms of uh, identity so I understood that I'm a, I'm an indigenous person I was proud of it um, but time and time again I was reminded by other non-indigenous students that you know wait a minute think about it because i was told well you don't drink and you don't do drugs and you shower and you get good grades you can't be an indian and Mm -hmm. that's what i was constantly told right so there was a kind of like a like a disconnect between uh, myself and the suits right because that image was never available to us Mm -hmm. um but at the shoot when i had um the hood on it it was a different feeling because I I understood that it was an opportunity for others to see us in a different light that you know we're still here and we can we can be successful and um earlier uh I I forgot the uh Rebecca Belmore's name right and I think Mm -hmm. that speaks to one of the issues uh she's an indigenous hero um who makes statements about uh, the city that we're in and and the colonial atmosphere and I don't even know her name right and I'm from the area so I think that's an issue in and of itself and it speaks to that right so
1: it definitely makes me think about like a lot of the conversation around representation and it's so cool to know that you know Fortify This is happening in Thunder Bay (laughs) that it will inspire a lot of other people of all generations and like the whole process of the past the present the future I remember during your talk at the Converging Lines, the opening, you talked about the one and the story of um, your painting, the Fortify This One. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was wondering if you could like, just share a little bit more about that. Cause. um... Well, the story of the
2: one comes from the relationship that I have with my dad. He passed away uh, just over a year ago and for about a couple of years, he was really sick with cancer, and so I visited him at the hospital quite a lot. And during that time, we had a lot of opportunity to talk about things in life and everything. Uh, It was never like the conversations I had with my dad, usually if he was going to share something with me, he just shared it. And so this was one of those situations where he just started in and said, you know, our people, our, you know Indigenous people and people in this area, uh, Anishinaabe people, believe that there is the One. The One is is kind of like um a person. He didn't say this, but this is how I've interpreted it. Like a sort of like a person, a spirit, a transformative being uh, that's representational or representative of all Indigenous people. The idea, not being that like it's not the creator, it's not like a god. It's more that we're stronger when we all work together as one. Really, that's what it comes down to. So, (laughs) um, so I called the piece the one, and I think one of the most interesting parts of the conversation, which really surprised me, um, was that he asked if I was the one, (laughs) and that was unusual. still grieving mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: um so he uh yeah when he asked me if i was the one i i was super taken aback because i couldn't i couldn't imagine that he would ever see me that way as that this to me which was a pretty important um idea or concept or you know whatever you want to say so i was really surprised but i just said oh no, <laughs> like, I'm not <laughs> the one. Like I know I'm not the one. Um, but it made me think about how how can I share this story? And I really didn't know how I was going to do that until Derelict um, came around in January and I had created one piece the year before it and then I wanted to create a piece uh, this next year and And thinking about what it was I wanted to create, and my dad uh, was in the hospital at the time, I -hmm. thought maybe I'll create this, you know. I don't even know what you call it—an entity or a being, or that works. Entity, yeah. This entity, um, and I'm just going to interpret it the way that I see it. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. So the one isn't, you know, male, female, anything. Mm -hmm. It's it's very anything. It just. You know, when I wear it, I'm, you know, I'm female, so it it does come across a little bit more feminine, but really anyone could wear this piece Mm -hmm, as far mm -hmm. as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. Uh, It just made me realize um, that I wanted to be out there as well, similar to Rebecca Belmore, to be sharing stories, to be sharing ideas, to be working in the community and to Mm -hmm. be collaborating so that we can... As indigenous artists, as indigenous people, youth in this city, say we're here and we're not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we're gonna be here for a long time. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And there's gonna be more of us.
1: (laughs) Hi, I'm Selena and you're listening to Bridging Resistance. And now, here are a few artists at the Thunder Bay Art Gallery from the show Converging Lines.
7: This called Wood Quill, and Stone. And in the far space, a really exceptional installation exhibit by Rebecca Down. She's an internationally known artist who was born in Apsala, uh, raised, spent a lot of her early years living in Thunder Bay. and. Um, we're just so lucky to have her work here. We've had other, other shows by, that, of course, as you all know, um, performance-based work. So the shows were organized and circulated by the platform gallery in, in Winnipeg. And finally, in our little meeting room space, works by youth from Our Kids Count, which is a local organization, and they worked with Janelle Walia and Riley. So now finally, we can turn our attention to this beautiful work that is around us. As you know, four artists from Thunder Bay and Beaton, Chris Stevens, Elia Drotstetter, Christy Cameron, Sean Heddington. Um, before we go further, you know, they're sitting up here. Let's tell them how much we really, really love the work and thank them We really Thank you. So the museum was organized by Nadia Kurt, who's our curator. And she, um, her intent was to present this new exciting work by um, Elliot and Christy and Sean, what they're producing now. But um, she was intrigued by how they draw inspiration from works of other traditional artists, people we know, people we know not, Laura Morest, Roy Thomas, Almanduquin, and specifically about the power lines in their work. So that's the title, Converging Lines. So it's obvious when we look around the room that they. All of the artists are drawing that inspiration, but I think you know, they've each developed these amazing individual practices, obviously, and they're, they're inspiring others. Um, I mentioned earlier that our curator, Nadia put the show together, but some of you probably don't know yet, Nadia is on a leave. So she's out in band. She's a writer in residence at that man But um, we're very lucky that we found a very great replacement for Nadia. Um, and it's Dr. Andrea Terry, and Andrea is an art, ins- art historian and an instructor at the University. And she's going to moder- moderate our panel, and she's going to hear us as the curator for that. <laughs> so, um, let's welcome Andrea to the podium.
3: really wonderful aspect of exhibitions is when you get to hear directly from the artists themselves, when they can tell you about their practice, when they can tell you, or maybe, choose to share with you what they were thinking. So I'm very, very happy that they could all come and take this time to be with us today. So let me take a ta- moment here to introduce each of the artists from Convergent Lines. First is Chrissy Cameron, who is a teacher and visual artist who was born and raised in Attico, Ontario, in the canoe capital of Canada. Being surrounded by the beauty of the natural world has given her endless subjects to paint, while also observing and researching this environment and its inner connections. As a Métis artist and descendant of numerous fur trade employees, she often incorporates Indigenous and historical content into her art, producing spiritual weavings through her pieces that evoke sensations such as mystery, energy, contentment, and joyfulness. Next is Elliot Dockstader Wynne, born in Sudbury, Ontario and raised in Reserve, just outside of Bradford, Ontario. He was raised on the Isle Trail and learned to make various types of traditional crafts from a very young age. He attended E.L. Art Vocational School in London, from which he received a special art certificate in sculptural design. Upon moving to Thunder Bay with his van- family, Elliot attended Lakehead University, graduating in 2005 with an honors bachelor degree of fine arts. In 2012, he finished. Professional year of Teachers College from Lakehead University, and he works independently as both an artist and educator in school boards across Ontario. Sean Hedekin is a member of the Luton Clan and the Abantung First Nation. His cultural identity is a result of his father's career as a professor of anthropology and his mother's involvement in ceremony. Time outside of school was spent traveling through Ontario to attend elders' conferences, ceremony, and other cultural events. Here he learned to incorporate concepts, practices, and spirituality of his people. Creatively, Sean continues to be inspired by the paintings of his grandmother, Margaret Hedkin, and her experiences with Norval Morso. Currently, Sean lives on Lake Nipigon, creating and teaching art workshops in the region. Cree Stevens is a national chomic and Cree artist who also has European heritage based in Thunder Bay. She is closest to her Northwestern Ontario Ojibwe ancestry, which is reflected in projects that meld traditional Indigenous ideas and materials with contemporary ones. A multidisciplinary artist, Stevens uses regionally specific traditional materials like birch bark, canoe, beads, quills, feathers, steel, wood, and bone, Combining them with modern-day textiles, acrylic paint, handmade papers, and plaster to create mixed-video paintings, sculptures, and wearable art pieces. And on that note, I'm going to turn the podium over
0: to Christy Cameron. Uh, So I'll start with the curtain. Sturgeon, it is the ancient spiritual subject. I kept the colors of the sturgeon more subdued to give it a more serious primitive presence. Despite being primitive, being around since the Triassic period, once, the sturgeon is still around in our present day. So it is shown here in the upper realms or the shallower area of the river, brought into play closer to our connection with it. What in mind makes this piece more effective? Is the use of stone. It draws the viewer into the watery in environment. Well, I've added stone to a number of my pieces. Stone has a beautiful organic property that, perfe- that is perfect for art inclusions. I get my stone from a number of different sources. The stone for this painting was given to me so I don't know where it came from. But local finds are always nice to come by. I also like to look out of area for variation. There are a lot of beautiful stones out there. I'm a bit of a magnet when it comes to stones, so stone beaches do me in, like the ones found around Mexeter. I just put this in here to show you an example of what I can do with local stones. This is a piece of granite from the Steep Rock Iron Mines, which has long been abandoned. The locals visit the area on a regular basis, biking. Driving since it's just right outside our town. Anyway, my husband, Mike, has a small rock saw that he's used for cutting up patio stones. And he's able to make the slices so thin with the saw that they barely weigh anything on the canvas, which makes it easier to apply and to work with. Again, this is covered with glossy coating, which brings out the water and just like water does when they're over top. Some of my core pieces. You may have noticed that I have a thing for water. My paintings that mimic water environments are reminiscent of the lakes and ponds that I grew up with. If you've ever spent time at the lake, you could relate to the sounds of the lake in the evenings. You could hear the water napping against the shoals. The moon is my total animal. I've always had an uncanny connection to it. This may have something to do with a big attraction to water species. Their connection to each other and the peaceful solitude that abounds in the water world are often readily to have reflected in our water pieces. The Fur Trade Game. Another name I was thinking of for this piece was the Fair Trade Game. Doing a play on words, I imagined watching a fair in the early 1800s with games of chance, fair-like entertainment, and a few dysfunctional characters. And of course, many things about the fur trade just weren't fair. This piece is very representational. So, bird trade game. This is a very complex game, even without the settlers and the panic wars. There are pawns and there are strutters. Some players in the fur trade game were the First Nations, Métis. Some were freemen. And the voyagers, they were jugglers. Hadley were offering off tobacco and so on. And then there were the wild cards. There were representatives, who had so many things go wrong while trying to colonize Fred All the players are linked by the water pools, all of them trying to get a piece of the fur trade. And, uh, I wanted to represent the jovial side of the Métis people, so I created a great wallpaper and attached beaver on hides and bark in the center of the circles, in here. I surrounded the ultimate fur trade treasure gold the poor of living Beaver, doesn't know it, but he, of course, is the main character or her object in the
7: game. Mishikashu is a water spirit that resides in the spirit. To appease this Lynx Sea Serpent creature, prayers and tobacco offerings are given to Mishikashi
0: before travelers set on the lake, thus giving them greater assurance of calm waters. This is a powerful creature to be respected, just as unique is to be respected. Trickster Rabbit was painted to accompany the poem Mechanic by Louise Bernice Half, Skydancer. She was in South, South Lake Reserve, Alberta, when she was sent to residential school. This is her poem about her brother. There is not much to say about a brother I never had. In residential school, he bent to tie my laces. His fingers blew from the wind. In the dining room, he crept up to my table and left to a sucker beside me. At home, he drew a Japanese and beanstalk hopscotch, so I would never win. Later, he had a gallop between his legs. Behind the door, my cousin tried to collect a few pennies from him. So yes, I don't have much to say. When we were going without food and water, hibernating in the forest, lamenting, the sugar chewed off both his legs, ate his kidneys, and took his breath. This March, when the wind blew the snow across the road, I lifted to tobacco, offered him a birthday present. That night, deep in my slumber, Ota, by my bed, he arrived with a thump of a rabbit, shifted his foot, had his little dance, and left. My gooch.
8: Uh, and I'm uh, also Mako Hodem, which means I'm Baratlan. And um, I, I like to, to give a kind of an idea of who I am because I, I feel like there's a, an importance when you use your name and you know your name and all your names, and that reflects who you are uh, to the outside world. It gives you kind of a direction. So, just to let you guys in on, on kind of a thing was that uh, John Ahmed name it was given to me by my and grandma and uh, roughly translated it works out to uh, southern men or men in the south um, but like with all the traditional language it, uh, it reflects a little bit more so when she told me the story of how that that name kind of um, came came to be she was talking about how the uh, the sun rises and the day goes through the thing and, and our travel for to our life and that name Jean- Even though it reflects the sun, and me being uh, um, being um, man from the south, actually, literally, literally. and um, but it it actually related to the way the sun moves through the sky, and the light as the light touches everything as it moves through, and with that is uh, responsibility, but there's also carefulness that I have to do that I have to be aware of, of of how I represent myself because. Un- unknowing to each other. It's interesting to me to see how this energy, like we're talking about converging lines, and we're talking about our lifeline and our life path. And it's interesting to me that there's three bird clans here. There's So there's the, the loon clan representatives, and then the crane. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to think of how we're akin to each other, because I'm a bear clan, right? I'm bear planet. We're bear Oh, we're bear clan. Oh, awesome. Oh, I I must have understood it earlier, is his name. But, uh, so, blue, Bear, oh, so we're cousins, right? And then you guys are fish hunters. So, that makes me cool with you guys. And then, so this is a traditional thing, right? We find this kinship with each other through our work, through our life, even our family histories and our shared histories. And this is where uh, a lot of this work um, that I'm bringing forward comes out of because of my roots and with the traditional knowledge and what I what I recognize as pre-contact original history of uh, the people of Turtle Island. Right. So this this history that I'm drawing on is because what people don't realize is that at one point the culture was at the peak of civilization and it was slowly disassembled over years and years and years, years and hundreds of years. And that, that disillusion, now we're just seeing the remnants and we're slowly coming back, right? So when, when I bring that into what I'm doing, my meditations and my prayers and my understanding of who I am, I actually feel it like I can feel it. So moving around, the energy, the space that we're in, right? It's not just two dimensional. We see these things, but right? what we have to do is understand that there's a calming place a place that we all have, and we can feel that connection to those things from a long time ago. And the traditional culture was really based in what's called the dream time, the dream space, so that we, we can have that energy we this connection to the other side while we're We're all awake right now, but when we're all asleep we're in the same place too, right? And so that those original histories and that mythology is what's technically called mythology, right? And what I do is, I get all my stuff ready, and I started working on it, but I don't actually know where I'm going with it. But at the same time, I wasn't actively planning it, just letting it flow and letting letting that energy and that creativity come through. And I had an idea of what I was wanting to kind of bring forward, because talking about these original histories and how we all interplay and how we're bringing that history forward is that it's not just us doing that. There's a whole, whether you want to call it, cultural reclamation, or revival, or, you know, reconciliation, throw that in there if you want. Know the, uh, there's this big, going back those hundreds and hundreds of years to that height of civilization, and like going, what, what were we doing so good there that we actually had a fully functioning civilization with all of the stuff that we see today? It was actually existing back then, and not, not necessarily electrical wires in the gallery, and like with big glass windows, but there was a civilization that was here. So with these like these images and a lot of the work that I do, it's harkening back and I feel more like a conduit of what I'm doing, right? So like if I had to akin like, my work to anything, like the figures everybody has asks me, why, why no faces? Well, for one, if you draw a face weird, but right? part two. If I draw a face, and you don't you don't know who it is, you might not necessarily care who it is. The other one was going back. I want to be paused as I'm going back to my traditional heritage in Six Nations, because my mom was a Ojibwe, my dad was Mohawk, and in that in that culture, there was no faces on dolls, the cornhouse dolls, and the cornhouse dolls are that are meant so that you can visualize, you can feel who you want to when you when you look at it. They were used as portraiture at one time. He made a doll, and I would dress it. That I could bring with me. So these images, they don't have any faces because you can see who you want in there. You can see that representation. You bring that forward, and it connects with you. And
9: they look out
8: at you. And connect. we're pulling it forward in here. But it's happening for real now, where people are learning the songs, learning the dances, learning the teachings, learning to use the medicines again, learning to function as a society. Learning, you know, so, uh, you know. How to love each other? We're learning how to be appreciative and support each other on, on a massive scale, on a continental scale, right? And so, but guess who's listening? Those old spirits are waking back up. That's where these pictures. That's where these came from. And so, when I went out looking for these leaves, I was picturing those old beings that live out in the, in the forest, right? Those old spirits that are hearing us and listening. So they're getting back up. Like those leaves are actually extending forward and draping, roving these figures. So these old spirits are hearing everybody and they're waking back up. And they're wanting to help. They can hear us and they want to, they want to be there too. Now we're back to waking up. Right? And uh, so the name, uh, and this lends itself to something that's called Anishinaabe Al-Aswami. So which is the way of the Anishinaabeg people. And there's different ways to get to the, there's different types of culture throughout the original people of Turtle Island to live the good life, the good way. Okay. And so this is where we're trying to get back to. And with that, these, these pictures, they're, they're actually called Kwe's uh, Daughters of, of uh, Mother Earth. And they're waking up. Because right now, that, that female energy that's supposed to be helping us and loving us, our mother in itself, who wraps our arms around us and, and comforts us, hears us. And the Earth itself right now is fighting for its life, right? But as a people, we're working together because we're showcasing that energy. And we're trying to elevate what we're doing and in, in, in the sense of artistry to create Fine art and refinement overall to a high classical level. So that's just to, just to kind of end this part. I need volunteers. I need three women who can help me with this. Anybody? You have to be able to read really small, the squiggly handwriting. This goes with these images, and each of the each of the little. Uh, Little uh, verses that they're going to be saying is each one. We hear you, you're calling us,
7: we, we awaken. Are. We see you, we found you, we're near you. We, we are, are with you, you, you are. are with us, we are you.
9: Anyway, um, I wanted to thank everyone for coming today. And, uh, I also wanted to thank uh, the other presenters. OK, maybe we could rise and uh, come over to the side of the gallery here. <laughs> <How was it? laughs> uh, this is the beginning of my uh, Eagle Sound project. And I included the bear. Uh, some of you may know already that it's uh, a lot of bears. And, uh, although I didn't plan a lot of people, it represents my plan, which is not, it represents uh, my experience. I was a 10 years old, I was uh, at our camp, I was a holiday, and uh, I wasn't too keen on sharing my process, but I said I was going to stay, because so I felt myself in a camp. And, uh, one night I woke up to uh, see, uh, some large cracking sounds on the side my head. You could there was a large bear circle in my head. And so he made a good circle of the head. And then uh, he extended one finger and inserted a claw on the side of the head. And then moved across and that of the square and also had the head fell in. And then stuck his head in and uh, started stalling my feet. And, uh, it was pretty intimate uh, the that We'll see the, the it's good for medicinal uses. It's disinfectant, it's so an antifungal, and use it for water. The male and female in our culture, the strawberry represents uh, the sort of feminine side. Scaffolds and so on. So I use the, uh, the bear skull to honor the bear, and because of uh, the personal connection I have. For-
2: with my mom in uh, the Karen Bay for a little while when I was a little girl, uh, which was a wonderful experience. Um, We discovered a new family there. Uh, I'm from the Red Rock Indian Band, but I've never lived there. My dad was the last person who left the old um, Red Rock, the old Lake Helen Reserve, um, where the original reserve used to be. Um, And he never went back. He never went back to the new reserve. When he left, my mom is from Toronto. My mom and dad met um, uh, back when we were 50s. Uh, when they were 20, and they named to Cree. Well, my parents wanted to give me a name that was my own, that they had never heard before. I was a new person coming into the world, so they felt uh, they wanted to give me a new name. And I'm part Cree, so I'm Cree. Um, i know Ojibwe, Scottish and Irish and English. So I've got a Cree background, I have to say, I wasn't proud of my, um, my Ojibwe and Cree background until I became an artist. I was about maybe four or five years ago, and it was just like, um, up until that point, I was always trying to figure out what it was that I was meant to do, what, what did I want to do, what, what, was, what was my purpose? And I realized the purpose, my purpose or my goal wasn't going to happen. I let everything come to me and said it was going to happen if I went after it. But it was a really big, important moment in my life. I feel like I fit, I fit in. And it, it took a long time to feel that way and I think, I think some of that had to do with not feeling proud about my background, um, but also just not doing what I was meant to do. So. I've always been surrounded by art. Um, My mom always had art in our house. Norville Morisot, Anu, Daphne. anyone and everyone was always around me. And I kind of took it for granted, I think, for a really long time. Um, But then when I started living away, I I started also taking that art with me to make me feel like I was at home. Um, And a lot of that, a lot of my influences come from woodland art. And my focus or my goal um, from the beginning has been to use traditional materials that my people have used for years, but to make something And that kind of thing—that's that's still to come. But growing up, I was raised in the old way um, by both parents, which I really value, and which comes out in my art. I feel. Why the focus on weight loss It kind of just happened over a period of time. I I started to use it in some of my art, and then when I couldn't find the pieces that I wanted to use for my art, I made them. So the first piece that I really made was actually the wash shawl. <coughs> and I made that a number of years ago for our wearable art piece that I made uh, in 2015, I believe. Uh, Leanne Marshall, um, my good friend and um, artist, wore it for me at that show. And after the show, it kind of just <coughs> went up on a shelf and it didn't go anywhere else. And all of this time, I've been really wanting to revitalize it and, um, because I really loved it uh, and I like the idea
0: of wearing a shawl and wearing
2: birch bark as something as a protective part of that shawl uh, birch bark has been important to all of us in this region for many different reasons practically, artistically everything about it I love it, I didn't realize how much I loved it until I actually started working with it as much as I have my first recreation of birch bark was a ceramic pot that I called coconut sass. I didn't know my great-great-grandmother that raised my dad, her name was Mary Ann, and I didn't know a lot about her because it was too painful for my dad to talk about. So I imagined um, what she probably would have done, and I believe she probably made a birch bark basket or more. And so I decided I would do similar Impression. After a period of time, I just wanted to, to do that more and more and get better and better at it. And I was realizing it wasn't just, birch bark isn't just these trees with these, like, oops, with like, you know, black lines that you often see. It's, you know, kind of basic sometimes, and, and that's a good thing. But I, I realized how many different ways birch bark can look. me. uh, It's kind of been the easiest model for me to use, Um, but it's also from a photograph taken by Sarah McPherson on a project that I'm currently working on with a wonderful group of artists and people, and that's soon to come. So I took the photograph that she took from that project, and it inspired me to create this piece uh, right here. I think one of the the things that makes me the happiest when I look at it is that it just reminds me, it reminds me of my mom and it reminds me of my dad. The one, that is a story that my dad told me when he was at, in the hospital, we, we got very close, he's, he's passed away. During that time he was telling me stories, stories that I never heard before and one of them was about the one. A reminder of the past, the present and the future, and the future um, of our youth, and wanting our youth to feel that strength and power and backing of, of traditions and cultures, and bringing that with them and bringing it forward, which is what we really need.
1: This initiative is made possible by the Community Fund for Canada's 150th, a collaboration between Canadian Community Foundations, the Government of Canada, and extraordinary leaders from coast to coast to coast. We are also in partnership with the Thunder Bay Art Gallery and LU Radio, CILU 102.7 FM. Follow us on Facebook at Bridging TBA and listen and share past episodes on resistanceradio.tumblr.com. Peace!